the sooner we kind of evaluate that and recognize that we can't be everything to our kid, it gives us a little bit more freedom to choose to let things go. You're listening to the Connected Parenting Minute with Will and Carrie Ann Sanfest. This podcast is a conversation about parenting using connection first, trauma-informed principles. Because when you lead with connection, everyone feels seen, which is the foundation to a more peaceful home. This podcast reminds you that you don't have to be a perfect parent, but we can all get a little better, one connected parenting minute at a time. Hello, and welcome back to the podcast. My name is Will Stampus, and I am so glad you are here. Joining me this evening is my lovely wife. Hey, that's Carrie Ann. I'm here. And I am so glad you are here because I love spending these, having these conversations with you and being able to share them with others. It's definitely a lot of fun. It is pretty cool. So we are in the season two now. It is super exciting. We have all kinds of stuff happening this season and I just, you have to listen to our little ads. Yeah. We have, we have sponsors for the episode. Shocker. It, it's us. <laughs> but it gives us a chance to talk about things. Like we want to focus the podcast on the actual content, on actually sharing you ideas and concepts that will help you parenting. And then we kind of use the breaks as, you know, either talk about newsletter or, or classes we have coming up or different things we've got going on. So that gives us a chance to kind of jump in and tell you about other, other ways you can interact with us. Right. And stuff like that, that we're excited to share. Because we've got some cool ideas that I'm really looking forward to doing. So speaking of content, what is our topic tonight, Will? Well, tonight... I am bringing up one of my favorite comments that I get. I mean, it's, it makes me really happy when I get this response <laughs> from yeah. somebody I'm lying. The, I, the topic is how on earth do you raise eight children? And it's actually, or maybe it's more like, oh, how do you raise eight children? I can't even handle my two. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's kind of the sentence there. That is a comment. So we're all on the edge of our seats, Will. How do you raise eight kids? Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> you didn't realize I was putting you in the hot seat tonight, did you? I'm not going to actually answer that question. Like oh. we, we spent 20 minutes expounding on it and like dance around. No, it's, I'm going to answer that with point number three. Oh, and okay. So That's perfect. Point number three is the direct answer to how do you raise eight children? All right. Point number one is really unpacking what's behind that question. Okay. Okay. So that, that phrase is typically heard in the context of, oh my gosh, how do you raise that many children? I can't handle my children. Mm-hmm. And There are lots of different stages and ages. People have different capacities, different situations going on. And this is no judgment on anybody and no bragging on me because I am, I am not special. I struggle with my kids all the time. Mm -hmm. We have eight children and quite frankly, it doesn't feel overwhelming. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I think sometimes people say, gosh, you have eight. I, I don't even, again, the most common one is having two and Mm -hmm. It really, it's not a comparison, right? It's not, it's not, yeah. It's not. And it's the mindset. It's, I mean, most of them we added one at a time. Yeah. And we just kept kind of going. We're like, hey, this is fun. We're enjoying this and we'll see what happens. And now as we're down to the end of adding children to our family, I'm like, oh boy, now what do I do? Yeah. Well, we that's can, a whole nother. We can, we can unpack that on a podcast too yes. if you want. And this is not us trying to say that if you struggle with your two kids or your three kids, that that's bad or you're doing something wrong. It's, it's very real. Like everybody has different capacities and different, different situations with their kids and different situations at home and at work and whatever. But the, um, the belief that I feel like is behind that statement Mm -hmm. of 
because because let, let's unpack that. I I can't handle my two or my three. I can't handle my two kids. Is behind that is I'm failing. Ooh. Right. Yeah. And if I'm failing, it's because I'm not doing enough. Mm. If my children are alive and healthy and fed and dressed and at school, where am I not doing enough? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. You know, there's 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 a belief behind this. Like if we kind of go a couple layers deep, I, I feel like the fundamental belief behind that I'm not doing enough to take care of my kids. I can't handle my kids is this belief that we need to be everything for our kids at all times. Yeah. You know, it's a very it's kind of a, it's almost like a Western, like kind of affluent mindset of this kind of like achieving. I'm going to take care of things. I'm going to earn it. I'm going to make it happen. I've done all these things, mm-hmm. whereas there's a lot of other cultures around the world where it's where the whole it takes a village to raise, raise a child mm-hmm. is actually like practically true. Right. You have multi-generations living in the same house. Mm-hmm. Even I mean, that's that's a legit thing. And we just that is not a common practice. It's not a common practice in the United States. And, and there's there's downsides to that because mm-hmm. there is a lot we can learn from you know, being around multiple generations of older parents who are a little more chill and mm-hmm. everything else. All that to say. Point number one. Point number one is you can't be everything to your kid. Yeah. I think that's that's one that really needs to sink in because I think that especially when they're little, we think that we have to be the source of all things. Yeah. And we have to be the people that make them happy, that give them all the opportunities. You know, you hear about families that they started their kids in this particular sport when they're like two or three, and then they grow up to be this like amazing athlete and all all these things. Like we think we have to do those things in order to give our kids the best future. And really, I mean, one of the things I think I've learned with having so many children is it really forces me to be like, I can't do it all. Yeah. And so I enjoy that aspect of it because I think think there is a risk that if we didn't have so many kids, I would feel that pressure oh, absolutely. to try to do all of it. And I just can't. That, that pressure is still there. Anytime you're around your friends or browsing the uh, socials, mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's easy to compare. Yeah, that's true. It's easy to compare your struggles to somebody else's highlight reel. Yeah. And Pinterest is really, really bad for homeschooling. I have right? to say. What? You haven't invented your own organizational system while naturally schooling your children out? I don't know. I can't even. There, there's a whole thing. So so the comparison game is real. Yes, right? it really is. And I think the flip side also to that point is that we can't be everything to our kids. But the flip side is that we can't let our kids be everything to us. Oh, yeah. Say more about that. Well, you know, it comes back to... Sometimes as we're growing up, there's things that we wish would have happened differently in our own personal story. And then we start having our own kids and we go, oh, look, you show an interest in this. I'm going to give you every opportunity that I didn't have. Yeah. And while the heart behind that is good. It is a good heart. Our kids may not want that. Yeah. And so it's there's there's a real danger there. Of being like, if I can invest everything into this kid, then they'll they'll grow up and have everything that I didn't have. Right. And it, there's a danger. Yeah. How many of us know somebody whose parent forced your friend into doing violin lessons or 
you know, or some sport where the kid is like, yeah, I'm decent at it, but I, I don't yeah. want to do I don't want to be on this traveling baseball team. But I know my dad, you know, almost made it to the minor leagues when he was getting, coming out of college. And now he, you know, he always wishes he had started practicing younger. You yeah. know, there's like that kind of like reliving your childhood through your through your kid. And, and that's not fair to them because they're not you. Right. So I think one of the things that we can do practically with this is that the, the sooner we kind of evaluate that and recognize that we can't be everything to our kid, that can't be everything to us, it gives us a little bit more freedom to choose to let things go. Yeah. And then try to focus on what things are important. Right. Because when you, when you finally admit that you can't do it all, mm-hmm. then you have to evaluate, okay, I can't do everything. Which of these things matter? And they might all matter. But some of them are going to matter a little bit more than others. And so you have to pick and choose. And maybe some of them matter in a season and other ones matter more in a different season. Yes. See, that's that's a really good point because that's hard for us as parents to recognize Mm -hmm. that our kids change. Yeah. Right? The things they like, the things they're into change as they grow. Mm -hmm. And I know that I get trapped in that sometimes where I look at one of our kiddos and I see them as, you know, three or four years younger than they actually are. Like, oh, we should go do this thing together. And they're like, okay. (laughs) Right. (laughs) You know, and if I'm being a little more self-aware, I can be like, that was not very enthusiastic. Hmm. I should ask some questions there, you know. Say more about that. Are you just having a bad day or do you just not really like this anymore? And and that's okay. We can change. Mm -hmm. All right. So I think that about covers it for point number one. You can't be everything for your kid and your kid can't be everything for you. So let's jump in with a quick word from our sponsor. Hey, Will, you know what makes me an even better parent than just listening to our podcast? What's that, Carrie Ann? Coffee. Oh, absolutely. You are so right. And our listeners are in luck because we are doing a review giveaway. We are giving away coffee to you, the loyal listener. All you have to do to enter is leave a review of our podcast on whatever platform you're listening to. Take a screenshot of that review and send it to us at Connected Parenting Minute at gmail.com. On December 15th, we'll pick five lucky winners to receive a Starbucks gift card worth coffee and maybe a little snack. Enter today. And now back to the show. So point number two, my darling, is... Is really, we need to be the best versions of ourselves. When we're raising our children and we recognize that we, we do matter in this whole scenario, I think it makes a big difference on our kids. Yeah, okay. And so... The term self-care is thrown around a lot. A lot. And, you know, it's not a bad term, right? But I think it's taken on a different meaning of like, okay, you need to go get a massage and you have to go to the spa and you have to have your, you know, there's just all these different aspects of that that may or may not ring true. Mm -hmm. But taking time to recognize what you need is also important in this parent-child relationship. It is. Because we can't give something to our kids that we don't have ourselves. Yeah. You know, one thing that I often say as we've been talking and the thing that I'm realizing more and more and more as we talk through this aspect of parenting and what it means is a lot of this parenting is growth for us. Mm -hmm. We want our children to behave better. Yeah. And sometimes we have the tools to do that. Sometimes we need dicking the tools to do that. But it really comes from a changed heart on our on our part. Today, for instance, I was at this big children's sale or whatever, and I was walking down this aisle and there's this mom with like a four year old 
And she was being like super nice and just being like, oh, we're going to pick this out for your sister and we're going to do this and we're going to do that. And then she was like, all right, we got to get ready to go. Pick out your thing. And it went from like sweet mom voice to within 30 seconds, she was literally screaming at this kid. And I felt mm. so bad for him. Yeah. And I was like, mama, what's, what is so triggering to you right now that we have to scream at our kid and be telling him you have to stop whining right this second. Like, I mean, she was really, it was uncomfortable. Yeah. You know, where I wanted to sit down and get on this four-year-old's level and be like, hey, buddy, wow, you really like that? We should take a picture of that. We'll remember it later for Christmas. You that, know. Don't don't miss that. That was a gold tip right there, parents. <laughs> yes. That, we've, that, we've used that one a lot. We'll take a picture of it so we remember it for later. And it really works for our kids. Anyway. Anyway, but where in her life was that the answer? Yeah. Right? And so it's just... We have to do some reflecting and say, what, what is it that we need that we can parent well? Mm -hmm. I think that also works, um, really goes to speak to relationships that we have as adults. Yeah. So if you're co-parenting co -parenting with a spouse, investing in that relationship, super important. It really is. Um, yeah. There's going to be times where you are literally setting the precedent for their view on marriage, family for their entire lives. Again, more is caught than taught. Mm -hmm. How you act in your marriage is going to sink way more deeply into them of what you lecture them about marriage when they're finally engaged someday. And you're like, let's sit down and talk about marriage, son. <laughs> and, you know, if the kid was being honest, he's like, I've been watching you for 30 years. I've learned what I need to or don't need to from you. Thank you very much. Right. So it's important to take into account those relationships and and how you're doing and where you're growing and where you're learning and really invest in that. I think it's important. And then if you're co-parenting with someone that you're not married to, you know, just take into account how you project yourself into that relationship. Whether you're co-parenting with someone you're not married to, who's either a step parent or an ex or in a foster adoptive situation, the biological parents. Right. We can't control what other people do, but we can control how we respond to them and talk about them. Yes. That's what I was going to say. How we speak about them when they're not around. Right. You know, we've been part of this foster adoptive world and we've learned a lot about how children, even if they come from terrible, terrible situations, they still want that connection with their bio parents. And so speaking kindly about them and uh, relaying positive things or the positive things that we can yeah. is so important. It is super important. And that, and that even applies to kiddos that are old enough to know what happened mm -hmm. and to understand right. it, to be, un, to be frustrated or hurt by it. They still long for that connection because that's still, still their parent and honoring that and helping them, helping them work through that. And again, like you said, being truthful and saying positive things where we can. Right. So we're going to come to the answer to our question about how you raise eight children, Will, I think you promised us point number three was going to answer all the questions for us. Yes. All right. What is it? Point number three is you need to focus on giving each child what they need. Ooh. This, I love, I love telling this story. This is, this is a generic story. I don't know what that teacher actually did this at what actual time, but it really illustrates this point. Each of your children has different needs. There is a teacher who at the beginning of the school year had a classroom full of 30 children and was going to try to explain to this, these children, by the way, 
Throughout the year, each of you will need different things at different times, and so I will be treating you a little bit differently. And that doesn't mean I'm treating you unfairly, it just means I'm treating, trying to treat you, each of you, with what you need at that given moment. However, third graders would not understand that speech. <laughs> and they would just kind of roll their eyes back and whatever. So she decided to do it with an illustration. And so what they did is they, she had all the, all the kids line up in the classroom, and she had a stack of Band-Aids. Band-Aids are great caregiving tools. Keep tons of Band-Aids in your house. Just give them to your kids for any boo-boo, anything. Yes. Seriously. So this teacher knew that and she's like, okay, we're going to pretend that you have an owie. So I want you, each of you to come up to me one at a time. Tell me where your owie is and I'm going to give you a band aid for it. Oh, okay. We can play it like, and she made it, she made a game out of it and the kids were kind of into it. Mm -hmm. And so the first kid comes up and points to their forehead and says, I have an owie on my forehead. And so she puts a band aid on the forehead and says, I'm so sorry. You've got an owie. Kid goes and sits down. Mm -hmm. The next kid says, I've got an owie on my elbow. And the teacher takes the Band-Aid and puts it on their forehead and has the kid go sit down. Mm -hmm. And the next kid says, I have an owie on my knee. And she puts a Band-Aid on the forehead and the kid goes and sits down. And this continues 30 more times mm -hmm. and the kids are super confused. And at the end of it, the teacher's like, so if I were to treat you all equally, that is what I would do. I would give you the Band-Aid on the forehead just like, you know, Joey needed here. Mm -hmm. But each of you needed a Band-Aid on a different spot of your body. And so for me to care for you in the way you needed it, I needed to give you a Band-Aid on your elbow or on your knee or on your arm or on your back, wherever it actually hurts at that moment. Mm -hmm. And so that just kind of illustrates to me this idea that at different times, our kids are going to need different things, you know? And so we need to identify what those things are and care for those things. Like those things that we've used the term fill your bucket before, mm -hmm. you know? And so finding, finding those things that fill our kids' bucket and it's going to look different for our teenagers versus our preteens versus our littles. Yeah. So you got to find that thing that fills the bucket for that kid. You know, for example, we know of a foster family that has a teenage kid in their home. Mm -hmm. A teenage boy. Mm -hmm. Ooh, scary. Teenage foster boy. <laughs> and you know what they do to connect with him? They tuck him in every night. Yeah. Tuck him into bed. He will literally lay in the bed with the covers to the side or on the floor or you know wherever they are and wait for this parent to come in and actually tuck him in mm. and talk to him for a minute. Well, and that really speaks to the fact that maybe that's something he was missing earlier in his life. Yeah. Maybe that if he finds that comforting mm -hmm. and that's what his need is. It might feel a little ridiculous yeah. tucking in a giant teenage boy, mm -hmm. but for him, you're, they, they are expressing that they care about what he needs. Yeah. And when you're at the point where this teenage boy is like leaving the blanket, not on their body so that they can be tucked in every day. That's, that's communication, right? Behavior is communication, right? Exactly. Exactly. Uh, so some other ones, my 12 year old loves board games, mm -hmm. which is convenient for me as I love board games as well. I can share with him all kinds of cool stuff and we can play stuff together. One of our other boys Likes to talk late into the night. Oh, yeah. Which is awful for us as we record at 11, 15 at night. Yeah. <laughs> he might have picked up on that from us. He got it from us, but it feed, it fills his bucket. That's true. It does. I, I was going to say one thing, too, that I really found in this kind of exercise of recognizing that each kid has different needs and it's our job to figure those needs out has been giving some of our kids the language yes. to be able to say, I have a need. 
Yes. I think one of ours in particular has been really good at saying, my bucket's feeling kind of empty right now. And how amazing is that, that our kid can come and say, I need something. Mm -hmm. I need some time. I need some attention. I need something from you rather, you know, than having big behaviors. That's been lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of practice. A lot. That's taken a while to get to. And it's not every kid. And not every kid has gotten it. Right. But also how healthy is that for that child as he grows? Uh Uh-huh. To be an adult who can say, I really am feeling like I need my bucket filled. Mm -hmm. To recognize when he's in that spot and he needs something and then being able to seek something out to fill that bucket. Right. You know, that's, that's super healthy. It really is. It's exciting. It's, I'm excited to see how our kids grow and see what, what has worked and what hasn't worked. And yeah, I could talk about that for a long time, but we're coming to the end of our podcast. So we are. So I'm going to sprint through like two or three more tips. Okay. There we go. <laughs> like teenage daughter, I'll go shopping with her at Target. She loves it. Even for just buying like supplies for the store. My youngest daughter loves it when I take her to the store and she accidentally ends up with candy. Uh, I don't know how <laughs> it happens. I might buy it for her. Probably not though. I wouldn't spend our money like that. Gee, okay. Totally random because as long as we're on random stuff, spending time snuggling with her in the morning. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Like that has been now I, I get the privilege of being able to do that because of the fact that I don't have a little baby or yeah. someone else. So different phase of life. But this morning she, she tells me, mom, I'm nerve excited or nerve excited. I think that's how she said it. Really? Cause she's, we're about to, she's going to go visit her grandparents for a little bit here coming up. Uh-huh. And she's like, I'm nervous, but I'm excited at the same time. And so she's like making up words. That's so great. Totally just random thing. I hadn't told you about that yet today. All right. Dear listeners, we appreciate you sticking with us and riding through. I hope you've gotten some value out of it. We're going to give you a quick recap of the three points here, and then we're going to get out of here. Point number one is you cannot be everything to every kid. That is a myth that is dragging you down and putting a weight of expectation and shame on you. That is not true. That's right. And your kid can't be everything to you. That's the flip side of that. Yes. Point number two is you need to be the best version of yourself. That means investing in yourself, investing in the relationships around you and taking it seriously that you you matter. You're important. Yes, you do. And point number three, how on earth do you raise eight children? I only focus on giving each child what they need in that in that moment. Mm-hmm. Because the needs change. Not every child needs 100% focus all day long. I think my teenage sons would be like, dude, get out of my room. True. True story. So you got to find that thing that fills their bucket. What is the one or two things, activities you can do together with them that will really help them feel filled and seen and connected? That'll just lay just an awesome foundation for that relationship. Yep. So thank you for joining us. Thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for subscribing and liking and leaving a review because you're awesome like that. Awesome, awesome. And before we go, we always want to remind you. You don't have to be a perfect parent. But we can all get a little bit better one connected parenting minute at a time. Thank you guys for listening to my mom and dad's podcast. Please like, share, follow, and subscribe. And have a great rest of your day. For more parenting tips or to connect with us, check out the Connected Parenting Minute on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook.
or you can send us an email using connectedparentingminute at gmail.com.